Okay, you are trapped. You look around and your brother and sister have slipped out of the room. Mom and dad are busy, you know, doing projects or whatever. And then you hear the four dreaded words from your grandma or your grandpa. When I was young. (laughs) And then there's this sense of obligation and duty, right? That you cannot leave your grandma or grandpa when they're about to tell you a story, okay? You know, you are the one they are looking at and going to tell the story to. And you are stuck hearing it. And, uh, you know, through the story, you're like, what is this rambling about? This autobiography story that they're telling me. Is there a purpose here? Where are they going? Am I drooling right now? You know, you know that's, you're wondering all these things that the story's being told. You know, some of you have been in that place where you have been in a conversation or a talk where you have felt trapped. Maybe right now, listening to the sermon. <laughs> but, you know, some of you, you might like the grandma and grandpa stories, which is great. I did. If you do, you like the autobiographical stories so that your grandparents tell of growing up, you're going to like this section of Galatians today. Because the writer of Galatians is going to tell a story about himself. He is going to tell his history, what we call his testimony. See, in Paul sharing his story, in sharing his testimony, he's going to build on his theme that there is no other gospel, no other good news than the one that he preaches. In telling his testimony, in telling his story, Paul is going to build on his theme that there is no other gospel or other good news than the one that he preaches. So let's sit as we're trapped, I guess, and listen to Paul's testimony, his story, his autobiography. Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. Please pay attention to God's word. For I would have you know, brothers... That the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the tradition of my father's. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, who had called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again into Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except, for J- except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. 
God, help us to be attentive to this story of Paul, his testimony. And let it inform our own testimony of how you have come into our lives and what the good news means in us and through us. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, again, welcome. Good morning. Uh, If you're just joining us, we're going through the book of Galatians. That's what we kind of do as a church. We go through books of the Bible together. We're going to go through it all this winter and into the spring. And if you're wondering, why do you do that as a church? Well, it's what you did in the early church, too. This is what this letter is about. It was a letter that was sent to a variety of churches in what is now southern Turkey, the region of Galatia. And what happened is they would, Paul would write a letter and uh, this letter would circulate between the churches. It might be read um, on a Sunday morning like us in worship. It was kind of what you did during the worship service, a teaching on the Old Testament or maybe by the apostles. And that is what we are doing today. We are teaching on this letter that informs us about the message of Christianity like the early church did. And see, what Paul is doing in this letter, as we've seen, is that usually his form is, you know, uh, introduction to who he is, and then a doxology, and then a thanksgiving. But we saw here in this letter that Paul gets right to the point, straight to it. And he's kind of harsh at the beginning. And he's saying, what has happened to you? You churches in Galatia, you are being dissuaded. You are being led astray by these other people coming towards you persuaded by false teachers. And what the false teachers are telling the church, for a review of what we learned last week, the false teachers are saying, you need Christ plus more. You need the Jewish law, the ceremonial law, circumcision. If you want to be in the family of God, if you want to be a Christian, you need Christ plus these things. And Paul says this is They're saying this is the gospel, but this is no gospel. There is only one gospel. In fact, this is not good news at all. The good news is that you are made righteous, you are justified, you are able to have a right relationship with God, ultimately by what Christ has done for you and received by faith. It is a free gift. And he says, we've all been rescued We haven't helped in the process. He has come to save us in death. There's nothing that we did. It's Christ that did it for us. That is the good news. Well, we also talked about, that's a message that seems very, very simple, but seems to get very, very muddy, especially in our context in Wisconsin. See, there are systems that we have in place in our culture around us that say, This is what you need to live a right life in this place. This is what it means to be okay in this culture. Your family has to be put together. That you're able to take those kids that you have, get them to 18, get them out of the house, and they come back at Christmas. That means success. Or you're a very conscientious person. You're the one that wakes up earlier than others and the scraping that you hear outside is you shoveling the other person's walk. That is what it means to be made right. That you're just as good as you can be. Or maybe it's, I don't just come to the Sunday morning service, but I'm going to come to the Sunday night service tonight too. And that shows, man, I have really 
got it right. Paul's saying those things will not save you. In fact, you will even take those good things and they will be tainted by your sin. I mean, those are good things, shoveling people's walk, having a great family, coming Sunday night tonight. That's a great thing. But even our motives and what's behind it, even we can take those good things and taint them. We are all in need. We are all dead in our sins. And we need Christ. So Paul again is saying you need to turn from trying to justify yourself and receive in faith the righteousness that comes from Christ. <coughs> you have to excuse me. I am just dying. So I'm, my, I'm, my sinuses are killing me. And my throat's really bad. So bear with me as I cough. I'm going to grab some tissues too at times. So um, you're going to have to deal with that. So... <coughs> I'm dying. I'm, fitting. I'm dying. I'm dead in sin, but I have Christ, right? <laughs> okay. So what Paul says is, he reveals his testimony. Oh, thank you. Kelly, very much. And in his testimony, he's trying to prove that there is no other gospel. And he's doing that to show the authenticity of my testimony, my history and what I've gone, shows that there is no other gospel. And it does that in three ways. So if you like alliteration and writing things down and you're a linear thinker, there's good news today. Dan is going to be as linear as possible in organizing his sermon. So three things. One, the source. Two, the strength. Three, the security. Of his testimony, attest to the authenticity that there is no other gospel, the good news. The source, the strength, the security. So let's look together at first the source. Verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. See, there were agitators that were coming from Jerusalem. And they were saying to the people in the churches in Galatia. They were saying, Paul is subordinate to the apostles, the 12, that are centered in Jerusalem. He is subordinate to their teaching. Just like we come from Jerusalem and learn from these guys, so does Paul. So our message that says you need circumcision too is as valid and it is as good as Paul's message to you. But Paul tries to speak against that thinking. And he does that in explaining his testimony. Again, look here at the latter part of verse 16 and all the way to verse 23. He says, I did not immediately consult with anyone. He's talking about after his conversion. And I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And in what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. See, Paul says, I did not get my message from the apostles, from the 12. In fact, after my conversion, I went other places than Jerusalem. And Cephas, which is Peter, 
which is kind of the rock of the church, kind of the leader of the church, or James was thought of too. I didn't see them until three years later. And when I did see them, I didn't learn from them. I just visited them and got to know them for just 15 days. See, Paul is saying the source of my message is Christ. This is not one side of the story that I'm telling you. It's the whole story. I wasn't instructed at Jerusalem headquarters, but I was instructed by God himself. My message is valid because it comes from God. It comes from Christ. Please hear this, the idea of the source. The gospel is not humanity's good news about God. It is God's good news for humanity. Again, the gospel is not humanity's good news about God. It is God's good news for humanity. You know, my friends in Colorado, they loved to try to get me to golf. And the arguments were so good. Dan, you will be a less stressed person. You will enjoy life. You will be one with nature. You will just have a great time. All those worries you have, you just play golf once a week, they will go away. It is a great outlet for your competitiveness or whatever it might be. You need to play golf. And my argument against them was, you know, listen, it takes too much time. The truth is I'll just get frustrated. You guys have been playing forever. I will probably never get to that level. I have kids. I just... I, I can't do it. You know, I think some of the reason that some of you guys might have inhibitors or friends you have have inhibitors to fall in Christianity because we sell Christianity like we sell other things. And really, the argument I just made for not playing golf is many times the same argument that friends make about Christianity or we make. And the same objections are, what other people like. So example, then if you follow Christ, you'll be free. You'll be good. Everything will work out. It's going to be great if you follow Christ. And then the arguments back is, listen, I am never going to be as religious as you are. <laughs> You've been doing this for a long, long time. I'm just not going to be, I just don't have the time or the energy. I don't listen to Christian radio. You know, I'm not much for voting Republican. You know, I, I, can't, I can't make that change. You see, do we make Christianity a sales pitch like that? And do we respond like it's a sales pitch? Hear me, the source of Christianity is not family radio. It's not Ted Cruz. It's not any Democratic candidate. It's Christ calling you to God. That's the source. And if you have objections, you say, uh, I don't want to buy into this. I don't want to buy into that. Paul is not saying buy into my line of thinking. He's not making a sales pitch. He's not saying you don't have to buy bells and whistles. 
You don't have to follow the circumcision crowd or this law or that law. Instead, it is a free gift given to you, offered by Christ. I mean, some of our discouragement, and it's partly our wrong thinking in the church, part of discouragement for some people come to church is that I don't feel like I belong. I don't pray enough. I don't read the Bible enough. My family is not together. Do I really belong to this? I, admit, I even have those feelings at times. Am I even worthy enough to stand in front of you? To do this? To come? But you see, the message of the gospel is that we can rest in Christ. That is a free gift, what he has come to us. And we get his righteousness in us. It is him that justifies us. And we are accepted in him. Man, we strive and we work and we want to be good and we want to do all these things and it keeps us to be around others. When God just says, just rest in me because what I have done for you. And when you understand that and when you get that and when you are unified with me, then what will bubble from you is those things. The shoveling. (laughs) The family. The prayer. The worship. When you are unified with me, then you will receive the righteousness that comes from me. Do you rest in that? Do you see that the source is Christ? So another reason there's no other gospel than just the source, but also it's the strength in Paul's life. The strength, that is what makes it authentic, that it is strong. And we see Paul's history, his resume. He starts in verse 12 and goes through 16. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the tradition of my fathers. But when he who had sent me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. And he was the religious of the religious. He was the best of the best. And he was living up to the righteous standard, the law standard, the Pharisee standard. He studied under the best rabbi. He had probably memorized the Torah, which is insane. I can't name a verse out of Leviticus right now. He memorized the book of Leviticus. That's crazy. I mean, this guy knew what he was doing. He was righteous. And with that, it came his story of persecuting Christians because they were heretics. He would witness the stoning of Stephen. Send them to death, send them to prison. 
If you want to read more about that, read Acts 8 and 9, Paul's stories. And then he was off to Damascus to do the same thing, to imprison people that were spreading the message of the way, which it was called, in Damascus. And on his way there on the road, Jesus revealed himself to Paul and Saul at that time and said, why are you persecuting me? And that was Saul's conversion. He was blinded for three days and Ananias came and he became Paul and he was changed. And he was convinced, Paul was, or at Saul at that point, he was convinced he was zealous for God. He, he was convinced that he was doing the right things, that he was truly righteous. But here what Paul is saying is that, no, I was not righteous then. In fact, righteousness did not come from myself, but it came from Christ. It came with unification with him. That is what created true righteous living. I thought I was righteous in being zealous, in being angry, in, in, in uh, imprisoning others. I thought that's what it meant to live a righteous life. But as we'll see later as we go through in Galatians, the more zealous you become, the more patient you become, and gentle, and kind, and loving, and joyful. That is what it means to be united with Christ, that that exudes from you. Like I said earlier, Martin Luther called the book of Galatians, he called it his Galatians, he said it was my letter. In writing about his conversion, um, Luther was a, a monk in the Catholic Church, and this is his ritual day in and day out. I crucified Christ daily in my cloistered life and blasphemed God by my wrong faith. Outwardly, I kept my, myself chaste, poor, and obedient. I was much given to fasting, watching, praying, saying of masses, and the like. Yet under the cloak of my outward respectability, I continually mistrusted, doubted, feared, hated, and blasphemed God. My righteousness was a filthy puddle. Satan loves such saints. They are his darlings. For they quickly destroy their body and soul by depriving them of the blessings of God's generous gift. Oh. You see what Luther is saying? Do you see what Paul is saying? Our righteousness comes from Christ. That's where it comes from, not from ourselves. That is the good news. That I was saved by His grace and called by Him. I lived this perfect, I lived this perfect life, Paul says. I was what you would call a righteous and religious person. I lived the way that everyone said you're supposed to live. That is not the good news. The good news is Christ crucified and living in me. That is the good news. I would sort of say that that message still needs to be heard in some churches around us. That we have lost that message. 
Well, we're going to have an opportunity over the next few months to hear some testimonies from people in our church, which is exciting. We're going to have them on Sunday mornings. And uh, we will hear people's testimonies. They're acknowledging what God has done in their life. And some of you might say, well, I, I, I have a testimony too, but it's not some crazy one, right? It's not like Paul's or, or like Luther's or it's not me coming out of, you know, you know, drug addiction or anything like that. It's not something insane like that. Well, I think I would argue that we all have great stories. That God has used all of us, whether we like to admit it or not, for his glory. And when Paul says, but when he who had, verse 15, but when he who had set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. He's showing that God had a story for him, even from the beginning, in having him know the Torah so well, having Roman citizenship, in um, persecuting Christians. He was using that story for his glory, by his grace. And if we would say, uh, some of you might say, I didn't know a day apart from the Lord. I might have accepted Christ when I was really, really young. It's sometimes hard to realize that God is continuing to work in our lives continuously. That it is by his grace that he's many times rescuing us from other things. That he's shaping us in suffering and things that we face. He is molding us by his grace. You know, one big thing, uh, in, especially in the 20th century, in the 21st century, a little less, but it is sharing your testimony when trying to tell someone about Jesus Christ. That's an experiential kind of thing. That's what you do to share the gospel. And I think that's good, and I think we all should do it, and that's why we're going to have testimonies here, and I think we all are going to need to be able to write our own testimonies and be able to share it, um, and knowing if it should be just one minute when someone's checking out, you know, or three minutes, or whatever it might be, we need to know how to share our testimonies. But I am worried in the 21st century, people will hear our testimonies and say, that is great for you. That is great that you've had that experience. I'm glad for you. I have my own experience. But I think we want to say, you know, my testimony is great, not because it's my experience, because it's how God works to transform everyone in this world. If you want to be transformed, if you want to be changed, it happens with unity in Christ. When we are done sharing our testimonies, it shouldn't be people say, we should say, oh, it's all well and good. Look how I'm a better person because of God. Look at me, I'm good. No, we should get done saying that the reason I am a changed person is because of Christ's righteousness in me. And that should be what comes out in our testimonies. And I would argue to say that even some of us who have not known a day apart from the Lord and we've lived self-righteously at times, I know I have, we can go back to maybe our people in high school that we knew when uh, we were living uh, in a self-righteous way, and even be able to share our testimony and say, you know what? Christ redeemed me from my self-righteousness. 
You know the things that I was telling you back then? He helped me to understand, and he's continuing to work upon me. That might be part of our testimony, to share that with people. And that shows that we are people that continually repent, that we have Christ in us to know that he's continuing to work upon us. And that needs to be said to our friends too. So one, Paul's testimony shows the sources from God. Two, it shows the strength that comes with Christ being his righteousness. And third and lastly, you see that it's true, it's authentic because of its security in its long-lasting nature. See, Paul was just in ministry just for 10 years here. And he was also already facing persecution. He was already facing people going, really, is your message okay? And you can imagine the kind of stuff that was coming Paul's way. Listen, you didn't even, you weren't even one of the 12. You know what, Paul? You are the one that persecuted and brought Christians into prison and killed them. You are not Peter. Look, who are you to say these things? And in the midst of all that persecution, even from people within the church, all that coming his way, Paul continued to tell the gospel message over and over again. The reason Paul was able to do that is because the gospel message is secure. There is security in it. Again, I think verse 10 is what frames all of verses 11 all the way to chapter 3. And verse 10 says this, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see, Paul says, I am not a slave to people. I am a slave to Christ. And because I am a slave and servant to him, I can be able to tell a true and authentic message because I'm not swayed about the winds of the sea and what people say. Even Peter. Okay, we're going to see that later. Even Peter. Another very, uh, a saint of our time, talking about slavery to people, Lady Gaga. I was actually very blown away by what he, she said recently. Lady Gaga had been dealing with depression over the past couple years and wanted to speak about it publicly. And uh, she said, you know, a lot of the reasons that I face this is because of um, my Twitter handle. Because I have these, whatever, millions of followers on Twitter. And approval on Facebook or what people want. And she was coming in the email, you know, she'll get these Twitter feeds and people saying things and like, what should I say? What should I look like? What should be my presentation of who I am as a person? She said, I had to stop because I was a slave to other people. And she said something very profound. So, you know, you know, People that do not know Christ can say the truth of what the gospel is. Do you know that? No, that's possible. And she says, we are unconsciously communicating lies one to another. 
She said again, we are unconsciously communicating lies. I think people-pleasing has become a major problem in our culture. Whether it's Facebook or whatever it might be. But looking good to others is a major problem. And if you say, well, I don't want to be a servant of Christ. I don't want to be a slave to him. If you are not a slave to him who frees you, you'll be a slave to man. And that's a slavery that will bind you, that will shackle you, that will destroy you. And Paul's saying, I'm free. I'm free because I'm not shackled to man. I am united with Christ. I'm done playing any religious games. I've done that. But now I can really admit who I really am. A fool. A sinner. When I'm united with Christ, then I can admit who I really am because Christ accepts me and God accepts me not for what I do, but for who Christ is in me. And then I have someone that's saying to me, no matter what happens in my life, I am well pleased with you because my son and what he has done for you. Versus a world that constantly says, you are this, you are that, you have to act that way, you have to be that way. If we say, look, under God, I am holy and righteous because of Christ, it frees us, even when we're playing religious games, to admit who we really are. That is security. That is security no matter where we stand. Today, tomorrow, in five years, in ten years. That is one worthy to be praised. That is a security that will not fade. Paul, in sharing his testimony... Is saying, one, the source is from God and God alone. My change is because of the strength of Christ. And my security is not in man, but is in God. My life shows the authenticity of the good news of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that our source, our strength, our security would be you. Christ plus nothing. Let us live in that truth. Something that we quickly get away from. Remind us daily, hourly, where our security comes from. Just pray these things in your son's name. Amen.